You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is Well, good luck! Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never miss communication. My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd to Know Basis Show. The big 139 we've been hyping up for the past five or six weeks that you know you've all been excited about. Everybody's favorite Ian. number. Yes, of course. Yeah, Matt nerds out there, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, you guys all get it. the possibilities. Oh, only the real ones get it. <laughs> <laughs> Not an even can. number in there. <laughs> oh, oh god oh what's <laughs> which is appropriate for this show because i mean you probably know from listening to it my name's kian and the squirming man you can't see over here is i'm going to spend the rest of this episode prime number that's the name it's a goddamn <laughs> prime number and i'm ken <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and now that we've overcome that uh kind of first year maths conundrum how are you doing i'm doing i'm doing well my daily life is overcoming first year maths conundrums but otherwise i am coping just fine how are you doing <laughs> I'm very, very good. I'm excited to be here because we missed last week, but it's been an incredibly busy week compared to some weeks we actually have a huge amount to talk about. We probably won't get through it all, but here are some of the headlines. We have had Dublin Comic Con. Mm. We have The Batman. Good enough to have a The in front of it. Uh, Kev, you saw a film which last on last episode we compared to Scooby-Doo meets Kiss. We've got... Picard, we've got Marvel stuff all over the place. We will get through one and a half of those topics, knowing us. We promise absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) We will try. But to get through at least one of these things, yeah, momentous occasion. Cons are back. COVID Cons are back. And doesn't even go here. I believe you have something to say about as well, but we'll start with the con because... Uh, basically before all the outlets are covering this, but Dublin Comic-Con is back. Mm. Just like St. Patrick's Day's Parade, it's back two years after the world paused or whatever melodramatic language you would like to use. And uh, myself and my family went and we had a lovely time. Kev, are you familiar with kind of Dublin Comic-Con and all the ins and outs of it and all that kind of stuff? I've never actually been to Dublin Comic-Con. I've been... 
I only got to go to like a select handful of cons back when I had weekends. Then there was a seven year period where that was just simply not an option. And now I've got weekends back, at, but the world was like, you know, dipped in tar or whatever. Um, so I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not all too kind of brushed up on a lot of the stuff on uh, Dublin Comic Con in particular. So what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to give you the raids on this one. What, what, like, what are the kind of the highlights of Dublin Comic Con? What was it? Well, actually, no. First question. What was it like being in a crowd of people for the first time in years? <laughs> It was peculiar, I must say. It's uh, now it wasn't as jam packed as it was usually. It, there was attendance was very good, but it didn't have that you know fighting people off with your handbag thing to get um, into a lift or whatever it is. Okay. Um, to be honest, social distancing wasn't a problem because we all went as the Bad Batch from <laughs> uh, you know Star Wars: The Bad Batch. So our shoulders were about a meter and a half apart anyway, <laughs> which was handy. Styrofoam uh, no. is a good uh, is a good kind of kind of distance maker in itself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's kind of a normal type. Weirdly enough, it felt kind of back to being like Comic Con. You have to get into a lift and you have to get past a giant six foot Bane or a seven foot Wookie, <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of some inbuilt social distance in there. That's pretty handy. This this is fine. This is normal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, no, it felt the only thing that was different was. The, on one of the floors, they had a sort of uh, in one door, out the other door on the far end. That's literally the only difference I noticed as far as that. I suspect the the stands are probably spaced out a bit more. But no, they did a fantastic job. It was very, very much like we remember it. It's the, the stalls were great. There was loads and loads of really good merchandise. The guests were great. The, cost, the costume competition was great. The panels were great. It felt very much like the world had reopened and like nothing had changed, which is exactly what you want from experience like this. Due to our manic uh, costume ambitions, we didn't get to do the whole thing, but we did get to attend a few of the talks. Uh, we got to see the uh, Kevin McNally talk from Pirates of the Caribbean. He oh, was, yeah. you know, Mr. Gibbs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was an absolute dote, And like, you know, it's, I, I kind of bookmarked him as the talk I wanted to go to because like, you know, he's an actor who's been in loads of things and they bring with them loads of really cool stories. And, you know, we, um, it's up on the Dublin Comic Con's YouTube, but he tells stories about from the eighties and like, you know, how he sings to pigs to get them to go sleep and all these <laughs> crazy type things. Now, you see, but, you yeah, say yeah. something like that and it just makes me believe that he's not, act that he wasn't acting in that movie, that he was just Gibbs. <laughs> This Allegedly, he did the audition drunk by his own account. I mean, if there's one way to get into a pirate movie. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I won't just parrot the things that he said in his talk. But mm. yeah, it, that was very, that was the highlight for me. That was very, very good. And um, I met Michael Kolditz from Band of Brothers and The Walking Dead and that kind of stuff. And he was great oh. too. Uh, didn't get to see Hellboy, unfortunately. Um it was a it was a, seemed to be a case of he waited for the line to get particularly long and then he'd come out, which initially I was kind of annoyed about. But then I kind of went, oh, that's the most Hellboy thing ever. <laughs> you know, just kind of wait, turn wait up until you wait until he's popular enough. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, you know, it's like all the guests were great. Like I'm gutted I didn't get to see Pinky in the brain. They seemed very nice. Um, it's yeah, they did a really, really good job, especially considering. Uh, they only got like the nod that this was allowed to go ahead by the government about six weeks ago. 
they pulled everything together incredibly quickly. Like the stalls were great, the arts race, the costume competition was great. They even let my like two-year-old daughter join in it as well. Like, you know, it was a lovely, lovely time. And I've said this before on the show, but I'll say it again. It's a surprisingly good day out for families. It's lovely mm. just to go around the hall and get photos of all the Darth Vader's and all that kind of stuff pick up a few Lego figures that you'd never find except out of a set for 50 quid. They're usually three quid each, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you get artwork from original artists. Like the food's good. Like the talks are great. Like, you know, it's just a great day out. It's it definitely, they did a really good job of keeping it together. And it definitely felt like, even if, cause like I've had five or six friends come down with the thing we don't talk about. Mm. Uh, but uh, it's, yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'm uh, gutted we didn't get to do more of it, but I was very impressed with how it was run, and we had a marvelous time. I would recommend it to people with families. Like it was absolutely wonderful. Oh yeah, like it, it like it, in my limited experience, um, it just it like it's like from what I find, it's less for me about like kind of whatever events are happening with speakers. I don't, I don't even kind of like look at that. For me, it is very much just the experience of being in that kind of space and going, seeing all the cosplayers, seeing them kind of interact. And one of my favorite moments is one of my favorite moments of a con was J-Con 2019, I think, where we went specifically to see Super Eyepatch Wolf doing a talk that morning. Why they booked him in at 10 in the morning for a talk is beyond me. But that that was the schedule. And that was great. You know, he was he, he talked about kind of YouTube videos. He talked about production. I uh, shot a clip of a new one he was making at the time. That was fun. That was awesome. So we got today and we go to the artist alley and just kind of looking, kind of head down, looking at kind of like the art on the kind of stalls. And I spot one that just kind of, the art grabbed me. I was like, oh, that's that's really, that's really, that's like really striking art. It's really cool. There's a really awesome Metal Gear Solid print. And I just look up and that's himself. <laughs> 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 and I did not know that he that he moonlit as an artist as well. So <laughs> I'm like, I, I know he's not like a particular celebrity, that he is just a dude with a com- with a computer. But it was oh, really he's a celebrity cool. to me. Yeah. Um he's 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 ticked over to celebrity when that I've I've listened to him as I fall asleep several times. So <laughs> <laughs> um but like that's it. It's, it's that kind of that kind of interaction, that kind of mingling, uh, talk, just kind of talking to people and just kind of inter uh, experiencing. That's like and and yeah, as with with families, that's it's it's a really just uh, exhilarating kind of time uh, time around. Yeah, actually, you're absolutely you've hit the nail on the head. And there was something nice about this one mm. where because it was slightly less well attended. Apart from like Ron Perlman's like thing, you'd go to the hall where all of the celebrities were and like you could just rock up to them and chat to them for a few minutes. And that was a unique experience I have never had before. Mm. Usually it's like, all right, you've got only so much time in the day. You probably have to pick one and wait half an hour, 40 minutes to talk to them. Try and make the most of it because it's short and get your photo and that kind Mm. of stuff. But like... Sure, the Kevin McNally chap, like, you know, I came back later because there was just no queue and like, you know, just had a banter with him. Because just came like, back and was like, ah, I'm still here, I see. It. Yeah, I mean, we seemed to get on well, like, you know, and I brought my daughter and that kind of stuff. And if he was irritated, he hit it very well. Um, 
like same with cold it's like you know there was a very kind of i mean i'm sure they were kind of frustrated because they're making money by the person mm. but it was a unique experience uh in terms of conventions and stuff and it's yeah there was a lovely relaxed vibe to this one and it was just nice to be out meeting people and getting your photos done and all that kind of stuff it's i think when you kind of talk to conventions talk about conventions to people who don't go they just think meeting a star trek actor or something like that and it's much much more than that it's a lovely day out you get to go to these talks that are free in dublin comic-con and hear their stories you get to do get original artwork like you're talking about you'd pick up weird soft drinks and merchandise and things you'd never see in a shop you support and, local artists like, and you walk and you around the corner a photo if you want a memento like yeah it's it's yeah. just it's there's lots and lots of things you can take away and that's not even including the panels that aren't hosted by like you know kind of with respect kind of yeah like uh sci-fi actors like lisa from our show she did a panel like you know oh are you uh, talking like, about panels say hosted by nerds no media coming to a con near you Yes, exactly. We're wait, a YouTube wait, famous. Plug, plug. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's but it. Like, you, you get like, like you... actually, you've hit the nail on the head there because mm. Dara went as well, tragically not in costume, um, and like he just went to all the all the talks and just met people, met other kind of independent kind of you know internet content creators. Got like talk to them. I think he's arranged a few collaborations, watched or listened to this space. Like, you know, hmm. so it's a lovely little kind of hub for meeting people. And I've never once in all the years I've been going had any nasty experiences or anything like that. So I would recommend it highly to anyone listening if you haven't gone before. Like the Dublin Comic Con, they run it very, very sharply. You never feel like you're under any immense pressure or anything like that. Well, and that's that's you know the what? other major thing. Even if you don't is that like it like the other kind of the side of the coin i think people kind of will see it as intimidating it's not mm. like so long as you kind of know to avoid any kind of crowded areas you come across it's gonna be a pretty just chill time yes you're absolutely right yeah. and like a lot of my friends didn't go for that very reason who would usually go just mm. for the health and safety i can completely understand that yeah but like the first time i went to comic-con i didn't know there were talks i just went to the shops and had a good time you know it's 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 whatever you want it to be don't be intimidated by the culture of conventions if you know what i mean it's just it's a lovely lovely experience and uh like i said i'm able to bring a two-year-old and like have no problems whatsoever moving around like you know she got some lovely cuphead artwork actually i'm gonna get the name of the artist now Uh, so like it's so like there's lots and lots you can take away from it and that's even before getting into like you know you can sit on the sets of Stranger Things and The Walking Dead and kind of get photos and all these stuff. There's lots of good free things you can do there if you're also worried that it's a money pit or anything hey, like that. Hey, it turns out these big events, they're well organized. They've got a bunch of stuff in it. <laughs> ah, yeah, but like it's, it's, I can see why on the outside of it, it might seem a bit intimidating or frightening or anything like that. You know, I actually want to give a shout out to the artist whose art we bought, uh, Anthea West. Mm. Uh, or dustbunnystudios.com uh, give them a look up but uh, yeah that's and of course to segue into our next thing they uh, sorted out a surprise guest at the last minute which was Barry Keown uh, who opened the con on the Saturday you know so he didn't do the photos and things but he came to 
Oh, I think we have had some technical difficulties. But uh, I think what Kean was going to kind of segue in before he we lost him to the void was that uh, Barry Keown uh, surprised the event, uh, which is really uh, pertinent timing, considering that he is now headlining as having appeared cameoed surprisingly in The Batman, um, which I and Kean, the 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 long lost Kean had managed to uh, catch in the cinemas recently enough. And I'm going to hold on until Kian comes back because I can't riff this long. I tried. I beelined for quite a bit until you left. So I'm going to give like a quick space for, for edit. It's okay. Dara has clips to put in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we got to see the, uh, we went to see the Batman, um, yes, recently enough. and I gotta say it's excellent. Yeah. Well, before we even get into it, what were kind of your expectations around this film, Kev? Truly not much. I, I wanted different. I like, I think we have spoken at length on on this about how I don't like how I don't like how the DC universe are trying to kind of interconnect things or trying to pull mm. the strings the way the Marvel does. They, they haven't been good at it. It's not been working. And the fact that they're kind of doubling up on a Batman when they've had one in the past five years, I wanted this to be completely separate. I wanted this mm. to be completely unrelated. And it is. And that's, and I'm delighted. So I'm like, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. And that's kind of, and I think my expectations kind of hit home on that because it is an off kilter movie for a superhero movie. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, like it's the perceived reputation around it Mm. is it's a new, darker, more realistic Batman. It's not that it's, it's like the Nolan movies kind of put their flag in the ground as far as close to kind of realism as they were going to be. It's not yeah. what that is. This is, it's, it's pulpy in some respects, but it is more of a crime thriller than yeah, it is a superhero movie, you know? It's slower. It's more yeah. contemplative. It's like, it's it's not a blockbuster action movie. That's, you're not going to, you're going to get a little bit of action, but what you're going to get is mystery. You're going to get intrigue. Mm. You're going to get like, uh, complicated relationships, and you're also going to get Colin Farrell in a lot of in a lot of uh, in a lot of makeup, making very funny faces, <laughs> and that's just enjoyable cinema. But yeah, actually, before we even get into the plot, yeah. the cast across the board are Every, great in this. Everyone hits it out of the park. Uh, obviously, Colin Farrell, like stunning performance. Like you mm. wouldn't know it was him outside mm. of the credits. Zoe Kravitz absolutely smashes it. Uh, what's the name of the actor playing the Riddler? Paul Dano. Thank you, audience. <laughs> Paul Dano. Uh, equal parts hilarious and intimidating. Mm. Uh, and of course, Robert Pattinson smashing back. Yes. Absolutely. And we should say, Dara isn't here. No spoilers. <laughs> We're not going to do any no. of that. Just no. go see it. It's very good. Yeah. We will talk about it, but the big. But like, I'm not gonna. I'm not, not gonna, gonna get into reveals or anything. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, speaking yeah. generally, my what I love about what I love about just Robert Pattinson's portrayal of Batman in this, mm. he's not like the suave uh, philanthropist that like mm. uh, uh, Ben uh, Ben Affleck or like George Clooney were. Mm. And he's also not like the kind of the, the, the action hero that like Christian Bale was. This is a moody 20 year old boy who <laughs> like it cuts to the heart that Batman is fundamentally a weird dude. Yeah. He is a weird man who puts on makeup, dresses like a bat and goes out at night and beat people up. Like that's, and it gets that. And it like, it, it knows that. And it, it plays with that, just kind of with his with his interpersonal relationships. Bruce Wayne in this movie isn't like isn't a superstar. He's a fame. He is a he is a famous oligarch who should be funding this city, but isn't because he's dressing like a bat and people yeah, beating people up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's like the most famous thing about him is his parents' murder. He hasn't like stepped into there. Like they make a point of like. It's, we should say the film is 95% Pattinson in the Batman costume. This is a like dread level yeah. of like dedication to just that. And like it is him doing his detective stuff. But the one like whenever they refer to Bruce Wayne kind of in the abstract, they refer to him as the famous orphan. Like, yeah, the most famous thing about him is his parents' murder. And, like, they obviously, like, a lot of these, like, the Joker does this too. Uh, his father's kind of reputation in the city casts a shadow over it. But, like, mm. it's they make a point of showing that one, this is Batman only in his second year. So, we thankfully don't get the I was like, a, don't show the bloody scene in the alley where the pearls fall <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> the pearls, exactly. Stuff. Don't be doing that now. And they didn't, thankfully. They just jumped straight into the middle of it. He's already friends with Gordon. Like, you know, it's... But the, it, it, he's, he's, he's already friends with Gordon, but the cops still hate him. He's, he's still like an... He's still a weird vigilante that's mm. only kind of just getting the trust of the people. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not an origin story of such. It's more like a journey of him deciding what kind of hero should I be? Do you know what I mean? Like the, the like he comes in like again. We're not going to spoil it too much, but he comes into the plot when something relating to the first murder, and there are murders in this. Uh, the Riddler, as we discover, leaves letters to Batman mm. at the murder scenes, and that's his the the world's logic for him being allowed into these scenes with cops who hate him. Uh, so like it's a proper like crime procedural, but like it really kind of doesn't pull its punches in regards to the way Batman is perceived by people and like how just like kind of Pattinson's Batman is not really right in the head. He's not crazy. No, but, but he, like, but he's, but he's not treated as like an audience surrogate. Do you know what I mean? No, like when, when he's not wearing the cowl, you can tell this is a man that should, that needs to get help and should not be doing what he's doing. Mm. This is like, I mean, this, the, this yeah, this is a man that needs a that needs a full support system. Exactly, and like, because the difficult thing about talking in this movie is the Nolan films do this too. Mm. The Nolan films do eventually cop to the logic that Batman is not a healthy thing for him to be, but it's different here. Yeah, it's, but it's it's done in the way where like 
those movies have pretty much like kind of start from the fundamental level of that. No, Bruce Wayne is doing fine on his own. Mm. Like it, it will like waver on him because these things do. And the Dark Knight Rises kind of falters with that message. But like Bruce Wayne in those movies is still a fully functioning human being who the people know and like. Mm. This one isn't. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And like, it's like, don't get me wrong. He's a, like, he, this is the best detective Batman that yeah. we've seen in a film yet. Like Pattinson, like, so one thing I love about his performance is he doesn't do the Batman face. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. whenever like Michael Keaton or Ben Affleck, they do this kind of resting grimace yeah. to make him look intimidating. Yeah. But having Pat, like having Pattinson just be in the costume, just kind of relaxed and walking around scenes as if he's not Batman is and like it's sort of more unsettling. And do you know still what I mean? do like, that while being intimidating. And like, yeah, definitely like the direction and the sound design add to that. There's there's sequences where he'll walk through a scene and the boots will just like will be like hammers on a hammers on a floorboard. Like mm. the the way like the impact that some of these things are creating, like the direct like a lot's gotta be said about the direction of the movie. Oh, Matt uh, Reeves does a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um, again, love and ah, uh, like little details. I love, I love this Batmobile. <laughs> Anna, can we just stop for a moment? I love that because it's not like a custom, it's not like a tank. It doesn't look like a bat. It doesn't look like a bat. It wasn't like a custom built, like uh, like thing here is my branded batmobile yeah it they're, like they're probably gonna make toys of it they shouldn't it is a hot rod that he just like sold the lego it. sets have been in shops for two months now <laughs> uh buy one using our coupon code uh, we definitely <laughs> don't have one dot coupon <laughs> <laughs> but like it's a hot rod that he's just like soldered sharp edges to mm. and then just like stuck a jet engine on the back of mm. uh, but it's like my favorite part is that there is, is that like he's idling, he's hump, he's break, he's like he's idling, he's stopped. The jet engine is pulsing at the back, and he's just kind of standing there revving. So it's the jet engine isn't even doing anything. That's just <laughs> aesthetic, <laughs> and that tells you everything about this guy. It's completely. I mean, like it's. Because I've heard people talk about this film and they talk about it in those dour, serious tones. Like, mm. this is still a film where, in the logic of the film, he's listening to Nirvana on the way home. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it rides that line <laughs> where every time it's taking itself too seriously. It doesn't do a joke necessarily, but it just reminds you with its style that it is a comic book film. It's self-aware like, enough yeah, to let you yeah. know that its characters aren't. <laughs> Yes, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. And like, this is a, like, it's kind of a seedy film. This, like, most of this film does take place in the workings of a nightclub. There's definitely, like, kind of overlaps with the Gotham TV show and that kind of stuff, just in the way the city is presented. It has a tiny touch of that, like, Tim Burton gothic aesthetic and all that kind Which, of stuff you know on that note uh i believe they've announced that they're actually doing a spin-off tv series from this with colin farrell's penguin yeah i'm not sure if it's two shows or one show i'll bring up i'm terrified of like breaking my internet here but i've heard it announced that yes colin farrell's doing a hbo show 
And prior to this film coming out, they've announced a Gotham PD show starring Jeffrey Wright, who plays Jim Gordon. I'm not sure if they're both the same thing, but those will be coming out. And that doesn't surprise you because this does feel like a universe that can be explored on its own, separate of the DC stuff. But yeah, like, I, I just, I hope they don't like milk it into the ground. That's that's kind of my, yes. I liked it because it was so different, because it was mm. doing something that they weren't. And that's when DC is at their best. So I don't want them to jump on this and be like, I don't want them to see this as, as being so popular and then like, no, we're dumping all of our plans. We're going on our path, Batman. Uh, that's yeah, gonna yeah, we, don't, we don't want everything to be like this. Yeah. No. no. It's no, you're uh, absolutely right. And like um it's it's interesting the things they chose to because like are you up on your kind of Batman media like uh, as far as like relatively enough. I think I think I'm pretty pretty up to up to scratch. Yeah, well I mean I wouldn't be up on that many stuff, but like things, sorry. But like they've picked recent but dynamic things to kind of adapt into this film like they use the long halloween comic the mm. jeff Loeb one which was kind of an influence on the the christian bale batman as well but then also more recent things like kind of um the telltale batman plot beats from that that's oh, only wow, four or five years old are in that's this. a that's a deep pull <laughs> especially with the riddler because the riddler there's a lot of overlap with that riddler and this Mask of the Phantasm. There's a lot of kind of Kevin Conroy-isms, especially in regards to the Catwoman character in this. Yes, that's like, that's that's the biggest parallel I think I've been drawing. Yeah. I can't like I, I can't compare him to any of the other live action Batmans, but I can compare him to Kevin Conroy's. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is that sort of I'm not as up on my Kevin Conroy Batman, unfortunately, but that one did seem to kind of have the thing where they copped to the logic that. Bruce Wayne's kind of crazy, but not in an overt way mm. type thing. It was just sort of reclusive and kind of didn't know how to be at parties and that kind of stuff, you know. But um, yeah, but yeah, who was like? Did you have like a standout element or scene or performer in this, sir? Uh, again, Colin Farrell. I like. I I can't. I I was. I'm never huge on him. I I wouldn't go out of my way to see a movie with him in it, but like he. He ate every piece of scenery <laughs> he was in, um, and like I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it was him. Mm. Um, again, I, I, I don't want to give too much away. There's a car yes. chase scene, and it, it, it has stuck in my brain since I watched that movie because it was just it, it, like in in a movie I expect it to be three hours of me sitting there going, uh huh. Uh-huh. Mm. I laughed. It's like it is this car chase scene La- made me laugh my laugh out loud in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, because like this film takes itself very seriously. And then now and again, it'll just throw you like an escape rope where you get to kind of laugh at it. Like um, it's one of the ones for me, a smaller example was the the police are getting edgy with like Batman handling evidence. And like they're like, Gordon, what are you doing? And uh, Gordon goes, well, he's wearing gloves, I guess. It's fine. <laughs> As if that's the problem, you know? Yeah. No, no. Like, it, I, I, um, I, I don't want to say go and see it because odds are everyone already has. Yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. one of the highest grossing movies of the year. But if you haven't and you want somebody to try you, listen to our opinion. We know what we're talking Two white dudes in, in their like late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, you should definitely listen to what we're saying. 
One is a T-shirt that says Alan uh, with an alien egg on it. The other's got a Star Trek badge. We we are we are the trustworthy nerds to we've, uh, go we've, to about this kind of stuff. We're gonna we've got bring good down this revelation that Batman is good. Instead uh, of catching up on anything new recently, I've been watching an anime from the nineties. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But actually, one thing I wanted to, before we kind of switch it up is the score by Michael Giacchino was gorgeous. Oh, like, yeah. the music score. Oh being. yeah, like listen. They, they might have used like the same Nirvana song twice and played um, Ave uh, Maria. Ave, Mar- Ave Maria. Mm. I'm, I'm getting things mixed up because mm. they use Ave Maria about three times in this one. And I recently watched uh, John Borman's Excalibur, which uses O Fortuna like four times. Uh, so right. I was going to say, I was about to say O Fortuna. Oh, it'd be a very different film if the X Factor <laughs> song was in this. But uh, no, I wanted to highlight it because like, uh, Giacchino, he has a very particular sound. For anyone who doesn't know, he did all the music for the new Star Trek films, Doctor Strange. Like, he's got a very, very particular uh, Rogue One as well. He's got a very particular style to his music. And this is Hmm. not that. The Batman theme is three and a half sparse notes on a guitar. And it's they stick with it for the whole three hours and just kind of amp it up when they need to now and again. It's not like the Hans Zimmer thing where it's sparse, but it's also loud and intense. It's it's it's, it we're 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 long we're long past Danny Elfman. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just impressive to me to be able to make a new Batman soundscape after like so much Batman content. And this really jumped out at me as soon as the film started. Like, and like, because like, it's a very hard, I think without the music being that good, it would be very hard to balance the sort of serial killer aspects of the Paul Dano Riddlery stuff. Mm. And the more like Batman vlogs over montages, you know what I mean? Without that music, the balance could shift one way too far or the other. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's it's all part of this, just uh, this, 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 this delicate ballet that again, mm. will kind of, will string you through nearly three hours of movie. Yeah. Actually, before we, to because like, did it feel three hours long? Because that was my big no. worry going into it. No, I'm definitely glad I knew it was that long going mm. in just to be aware of it, but it did not drag for me at all. Yes. Uh, the other, <laughs> admittedly, I did nearly doze off halfway through it, but that's because I was out drinking the night beforehand. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't drink in Batman. Don't drink in Batman. Bad choice. <laughs> uh, get 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 a good. Hey, you know this is Kev from Nerd No Media. We have a lot of fun here. Get a full night's rest. <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 go to a rock concert and then make plans the next day. Bad bad call. Yes, you've actually set up a segue for the next. But uh, before we, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's um, it did feel like the film reached a natural conclusion mm. around uh Catwoman's plot, and I thought that's where the film was going to cap off. And then there's kind of a extra third act. Yeah, on top of it, if you know what I mean. I won't give away what it is. Uh, but that didn't bother me because they keep the Riddler so far on the fringes of the movie that when they finally kind of pull him to the center, it's like it kind of does light a fire under it, even though you're very, very far in. He's not not in the movie entirely, but it, it's again to kind of compare it to seven. Like, you know, it's very much like 
he's more of a presence in yeah, like it's, the background it, than an active like anytime he shows up it feels momentous yes yeah and uh, this one ain't safe for kids it's, no. I know like you should like like people probably know that anyway but like you know there's lots of not only is it murder but it's I suppose it's not gruesome necessarily but it's no, but very there's, there's heavy themes. It's voyeuristic. It's there's like, like, you know, there, there's some trauma. There's there's some mm-hmm. violence. There's some, like, people trafficking. There's some stuff your kids shouldn't see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, everything around the nightclub and John Turturro and all that kind of stuff. It's, I mean, irrespective of whether the content is necessarily, like, fine, there is a kind of atmosphere, I think, wouldn't do for younger audiences. Like, I'll put it this way. Technically, the Matrix Revolutions was 12s. I would not take a 12-year-old to it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> was did Revolution? No, Revolution. No, it was, it was, pardon me, Reloaded had the sex scene in it. Revolutions yes. was fine. Yes. Don't well, take your was... kids to see either. Yes. <laughs> not that I would compare this film to that film. But yeah, there's a, there is an atmosphere to it that I think mm. would make, young viewers uncomfortable even if the content yeah isn't necessarily like bad so that that would be the only caveat i'd give but yeah. like yeah this Which, is a f- yeah go on Sorry. to kind of actually take a hook out of what you were just talking about i finally got around to watching the matrix resurrections oh yeah finally it took me so long because i missed it in cinemas because mm. that's hey remember that stupid 8 p.m rule ireland had for like two months, changed nothing. It was just a bad idea, right? And I'm blaming that for me missing the Matrix in cinemas, and I am still good at. Yeah. Finally managed to rent it on YouTube the other night, and might I say, Darrow was right. That's a good movie. Oh, don't say that too often. I hear you. <laughs> you can sense it. <laughs> what What was he right about? Uh no, it's just it's a like they there's. Like, there is so much of a worry that this could have been a flop, that this could have been a cash-in, mm. even with Lana attached. But no, it for like for a start, the first hour of that movie is Lana Wachowski talking through the screen to you about, hey, you guys wanted a sequel. You're getting a sequel. Yes, I've seen a little bit where it's like Warner Brothers are dictating a fourth movie. We'll make it with you, whether you're here or not. Literally, literally. Yeah. She like it. Like, it's just, it is, like, subtext is dead. The author is dead. Only text. Yeah, it's 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 measured to the point that, like, Sonic Boom is subtle. Like, you know, yeah. it's just... But then once you kind of peel past that into the actual plot of the movie, what's, what shocked me was just how simple of a plot it was. Oh, yeah, well, it's... I know nothing about this, really, apart from the old clips. Like, what's, what's the rundown? The, like, the basic summary is they rest, like... First half is rescue Neo from the Matrix. Second half is rescue Trinity from the Matrix. That's the movie. Fetch quests. Love Literally. It. But like it does it and it plays off of like all throughout that. It plays off of the history, the legacy, the like pulling the like it literally just intersperses scenes from the original trilogy just across it. Mm. Uh, just kind of to, to, to remind you the parallels that, you know, it brings back old characters, the new characters that are there. And it all hinges on the relationship, on the dynamic between Neo and Trinity, which is just fantastic. Like Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss just have a great chemistry. 
And I, like that, it delighted me to just see them together again because re-watching the Matrix movies like on the run up to it, I loved them. I absolutely mm. adored them together. Um, and then, yeah, like a lot of the new character, like um, Neil Patrick Harris is right. truly excellent as well. Like he's, he's effectively the, the modern age of the architect. He's called the analyst. Yeah. So again, is he kind of like a stand-in for like kind of like movie think tanks? Like, is that the a, kind li- of- a little bit? It's more of he's where the architect was this archaic, mm. uh, very methodical, numbers-based, very practical, uh, kind of artificial intelligence. The like Neil Patrick Harris's analyst is modern. It's slicker. It's it's more robust. It's more flexible. Like, and he just, he, he pulls off, he pulls off villain very, very well. Yeah. Him and Colin Farrell are up there for the people we always knew were good actors, but some, for some reason needed a reminder type category. Need, needed a good script. <laughs> yeah. And um, the only, like my only kind of criticism and it, it's, uh, it's not fair to call it a criticism. I'll mm. say this much. Like this, it's my, my, my one kind of, what if for this movie is I really, I really wish they could have gotten Hugo Weaving back. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the film, but I, to be honest, I, I'm with so many legacy things. I'm glad that like not everything was brought back because no. because like they milked that character so much to I, the detriment I, of the second and third film. You know, I won't, I won't say too much. Okay, but. Okay. I think it would have been better had he been involved. Right. What, okay. What's there is still good. What's there is still really is still very, very good. What's there is uh, instead in place, they have Jonathan Groff, who was King Louis in the original recording of Hamilton. Ooh, okay. Oh my God. Oh, like, he's he, like... He's good. He's like, it's still pretty possible, but it would have been a lot more impactful had it just been Hugo Weaving. Well, on you the, know, on the other side, for a reason, yeah. you know, on the flip side, um, while for weird video game reasons, they couldn't get a, a Lawrence Fishburne back <laughs> because they murdered him, hit that version of his character in an <laughs> online game that doesn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to pull up the actor's name. The 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 new Morpheus in this is wonderful. He was a delight to watch. Where Lawrence Fishburne was very was very stoic, was very philosophical. Mm. This one has a wit and a charm, and where so contrasting to everyone else's black leather trench coats, this guy was just head to toe in drip of these just vibrant colors. Are like bright orange and blue suits. <laughs> okay, yeah. The only thing I've seen him in is like Aquaman of all things. Uh, so yeah, so like the new cast like kind of holds their own, do they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if anything, I the um, uh, Jessica Henwick's character Bugs. I like for how much she was in the marketing. She's not that big of a character. She's, she's kind of, what I was gonna ask about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's not she's more of a means to an end, I think. Right. 
like okay, the movie she chose to do the matrix over shang chi allegedly yeah and no like, it, like it's good know, like her she is good in it but they definitely were it, it felt like the at least the public the the publicity was was building up to be more than mm. she was um why Sorry, sorry. Google has. Google, I'm looking at the cast listing to get the new Morpheus's name, but Google has listed Morpheus in this as Lawrence Fishburne, and that's wrong. Where the actual probably actor, because of all the the reused sequences, they probably uh, where the actual actor playing him in Resurrections is Yaya Abdul Mateen II, and he is a treat. <laughs> that is a great name. Hmm. Like, <laughs> I'm actually like, I mean, I have a long name, but by goodness, <laughs> I'm outdone. Speaking of uh, Jessica Henwick, actually, just because today it's not, I suppose, a huge amount of news, but it's all of the Netflix Marvel verse got dropped on to Disney Plus. And I mentioned this because of Jessica Henwick's connection and indeed Carrie Ann Moss's from Jessica Jones. Yeah. Like, uh, do you. Do you have any strong feelings for like the Netflix verse? Will you be going back to it on Disney Plus or anything like that? Or? I don't think I'll be going back to it. I never really finished it. I think I got mm. as far as the first Defender series and like where that kind of capped that, it off. That's where the, it lost most people, yeah. In the chronology. And like I've heard it gets better after that. I'm kind of, I'm tapped on it. Uh, but in saying that, I still think Jessica Jones season one is one of the most perfect seasons of television mm. ever put to screen. Every that like front to back, I've watched that season about three times, mm. and front to back, it is so tight. Every aspect of that moves like clockwork, mm. and every actor is electric. Yeah, I completely agree. I uh, I rewatched Jessica Jones because I'd never seen series three just before it disappeared off Netflix, and it's. The whole thing is solid from start to finish. I think people dropped off season two just because uh, David Tennant didn't come back. And I yeah. can understand why, but it's really, really, it keeps getting better and better. Oh, and I think it suffers from actually coming out too early because yeah. I think if Jessica Jones came out now being this uh, jaded superhero and using child star as an analogy for being a superhero, I think that would actually impact harder than it did back in, like it came out the year like Captain America, the Winter Soldier came out. It will yeah. come out now and work better in a more saturated superhero landscape. Oh I mean? yeah, no, it would it would be the the refreshing bite mm. of air you need now. Uh, definitely, like if if you haven't like Daredevil season one's pretty good. Watch Jessica Jones, even like if you just have no interest in following this universe, just watch Jessica Jones. Yeah, Jessica Jones is the best standalone of I think. Technically, if you include the, the Punisher and the Defenders as their own thing, there's like mm. seven Marvel Netflixy versey things. Uh, like Daredevil uh, is great too. The second series gets bogged down in the Defender setup, but not to the degree that Iron Fist does. And <laughs> funnily enough, even though people kind of uh, trash talk them, Iron Fist series two and Luke Cage series two, they're both solid, especially yeah. considering they're kind of, you know rebuilding as opposed to building uh and the punisher is a mood but if you've got the threshold for it it's very very good so yeah I, I'm, yeah I'm, i know i know you you will stand the the punisher series i i could not i found it impenetrable 
Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of, I'm not sure if I enjoy it or admire it for <laughs> succeeding in making a good show, considering who the Punisher is and what the climate is. Like, in a way, and not to give away too many spoilers, but the Batman has to kind of deal with the fact that it's hard to make a vigilante movie in this day and age. Mm. You know what I mean? And that goes 10 times more for the Punisher as a character. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed by it. I hope that even if they don't bring them back now that they're under the Disney plus umbrella with Age of Shield, it at least gives them license to bring in these characters. Like Jessica Jones in the comics was the mentor of the young Avengers. And that was perfect. Well, I mean, as we've seen from Spider-Man and Hawkeye, Mm. they are, they are, but like in a more, Oh, it's, it's, of, it's, they were it's big a, shocks. You know what I mean? Oh, it's 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 a nod to it. Like I, like you know, I'll probably see Jessica Jones. I'll probably see Kristen Ritter like walking the background of Multiverse of Madness, holding a Starbucks or something. Like that's I'm not <laughs> expecting anything past that for at least a long while. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're acknowledging them exactly because there's a lot of continuity. Like especially with Luke Cage and Iron Fist, mm. they end in very weird but interesting places that you can't just pick up. Uh, like uh, um, yeah, I I hope it opens the door to them being included in the same way uh, Kingpin was included in Hawkeye because there's lots of really good characters. Like I was gutted that we didn't get the Doors of the Dragon. Do you know what that is? Uh, oh, vaguely. vaguely. It's, it's Misty Knight from Luke Cage yeah. and um, Jessica Henwick's character, whose name falls out of my head at the moment. Yeah. They kind of are an alternate uh, heroes They're, for hire who yeah. are much more interesting. And they yes. were setting that up, but obviously these things kind of, the timing just didn't work out and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I hope they're kind of them and maybe even God bless us, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are brought into the kind of Marvelers, even if it's just as like guest players and stuff. Because like, it's as more... you said, Doctor Strange is going to feature Miss Marvel mm. ahead of her appearance in her own TV show. It's more so, that like what what was refreshing about this at the time and mm. definitely feels so now is that it was an adult side mm. of this. And like, not that I think we need to get like big violence and cursing vibes out of this, but it's it's it'd be great to see something in this like absolutely colossal universe we built just mm. dealing with much more mature themes. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to kind of like then like kind of use this what they have is this kind of pre-established universe to build on that and show again like it did a great job showing a ground level uh, uh, perspective of like the entire conceit of Daredevil is hey the Avengers in New York rocked a lot of people's boats mm. here we're still living with the with the fallout from that and. Um, so it like it kind of like that gets that kind of smaller perspective, smaller stakes, uh, mature kind of themes. I I think like it's a really interesting avenue, and I really hope they kind of just, they they take that lesson from it and give us a bit more of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you're right, there was because I mean I think in retrospect, both with this and Age of Shield, people were kind of oversold on the connection to the MCU. They're kind of rectifying that. They're oversold, and it's like again, like at the time, obviously, this was before Disney Plus was Mm. like a thing and announced. Yeah, uh, you'd have to go to the cinema for the mark for the Avengers, you have to go ABC for Agents Shield, and then you have to go to Netflix for these. So, like, it was all kind of scattershot at the time, yeah. But like, this had never been done before, so that was fine. 
But like, uh, I think because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually had like Nick Fury in its first series. Like, you know, there were they hit the ground running with a lot of overlap. And then it kind of it became clearer and clearer that these were kind of actually in very separate places. Yeah, Even if and they mentioned Ultron once or twice. Oh, I heard the like when or something like that. You know, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I didn't keep up with it. But I heard when Winter Soldier came out, the entire writing staff had to just like pull a U turn and be like, "No, we're following whatever this is saying." Oh, now. that was great. Oh yeah, the, the Agents of Shield are the most like I I I respect them hugely because their job is they just write around whatever the movies do and the movies don't care about them. And they hung in for seven seasons, but <laughs> poor your man who plays uh, Coulson uh, found out that shield was Hydra in the screening of winter soldier <laughs> while they were making the season. Oh no. Oh, Can you God. imagine somebody, like, somebody should have sent him an email. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, they, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. went to all, not to give away all the bloody secrets of it, but they went to all the trouble of like explaining where mutants come from, where the Inhumans come from, <laughs> why no one was there to stop Thanos when he arrived here, do all this work for other properties. And they, the properties they're supporting, just don't care. It's, it's like, uh, it's a bit like kind of some of the Star Wars cartoons when the movies are coming out. Like, you know, they do all this work to make things make sense. And then the Star Wars movies just do whatever they want. <laughs> make sense of that. I mean, to be fair, like, you know, uh, the Inhumans didn't care about them and nobody mm. cared about the Inhumans. So you, yeah, get, you yeah. get what you pay for there. I, I'm actually very curious to actually just watch the Inhumans to see, because it had the strangest reaction of like, it was met with ambivalence. And then it wasn't hated when it came out. But it's so far, like in the modern Disney sphere, it is the only thing that has been just pushed under the rug and said, no, this didn't happen. Is it not on Disney Plus at all? I don't know if it's on Disney Plus, but I'm I'm pretty sure like it's been like, it's been at least disowned. (laughs) I think they've out and it says like, no, this ain't canon. This, no, no. Which is a bit of a problem because I know the Eternals are kind of a soft remake of the Inhumans. But, like, the Inhumans were supposed to be the gods of mutants. And, like, no one saw it. And they're your gateway to having the X-Men in it, you know? Yeah, but now they just have Fox. So yeah. They can kind of do whatever they want there. Um, so that actually brings us to our time for this week. Um, oh, my goodness. That flew in. Absolutely. Uh, well, as always, uh, thank you all for listening. This has been a blast. Uh, before we go, Kian, was there anything you would like to plug for the good people? Uh, not at all, not at all. I suppose I'm reviewing. Uh, we didn't get to Picard this week, but I am reviewing it for Geek Ireland. Uh, the first two episodes, the first three episodes will be out by the time this airs. So if you want my feelings on it, give it a look there and all of our wonderful nerd to know content, including some shows which I and Kev are not on, but are equally wonderful. They are on our Spotify. So if you're looking for extra people telling you how good the Batman is, as if there wasn't a huge amount of them. Sure. We've got all our back catalog of things, including uh, the review of the uh, what was the film you didn't get to talk about? The oh, Studio 666. Studio 666. The new Foo Fighters movie, yeah. We covered that in our last episode. 
with probably terribly wrong predictions on Batman. So you can go and have a good chuckle with that. So yeah, I'll plug ourselves. Over to you, Kev. Yeah, no, you can you can find everyone on Nerds No Media just like cats on a tin roof, just screaming about the Batman. Um, <laughs> but when I'm not screaming on a tin roof, you can find me screaming on Twitter at Kev Talica94. Uh, and you can find me streaming on YouTube at my where I run my D themed Greek mytho- uh, Greek mythology themed D campaign um, over at the Nancy Crew. Uh, the links are in the description for that. We have a ball. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this has been Nerd Snow Media signing out. Hey, Dara, what are you doing over there in Ireland? Like with the freaking leprechauns and everything. That's not cool. You should be over there with the God players. At least then you can, like, I don't know, pretend like you got, I don't know, some kind of thing going on. Yeah, with uh, you give me a Brooklyn raise. Yeah, with ya. Dara. Dara? Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 